I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This season, we're supporting the Motor Neuron Disease Association's vision of a world free of MND. Whilst motor neuron disease leaves muscles no longer able to work, 35% of those affected also experience malcognitive change. To support the charity's attempts to improve the quality of life for those with the disease, please donate to www.justgiven.com forward slash the borough breakdown MND. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Welcome to the Board Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Board Podcast that gives you all of the Board Match Chatter in a podcast. And in today's show, we channel Boris Home and Draw against Blackburn Rovers, Boris Transfer Activity. We look ahead to Coventry and we answer your podcast questions. But first, the dust has settled after an eventful game against Blackburn Rovers. Guys, I want you to describe how you're feeling in three words. Tom, do you want to go first? Yep, I thought about this. My three words are, we called it. We all said 1-1 last week. Um, I was on Rovers Talk on Friday night, giving a Borough perspective of that. They all said 1-1. The whole said 1-1. Any, everyone commenting in was 1-1. It was probably the most predictable Borough-Blackburn score that you could have had. Absolutely manifested the 1-1 draw. Uh, Dana, what's, what's your three words? Well, unlike Tom, I didn't think of this. I'm just going to go with quite entertaining, actually, because... To be fair, I said before the game that Borough Blackburn is quite a scrappy affair and I think that there was a definite edge to the game and it made it really entertaining and I was surprised at the football that we played. I thought we actually played some good stuff so it was uh, quite a surprising game. Yeah, I'm going to go good football, Neil, because uh, <laughs> I actually thought we played some decent stuff at times. I think it was nice to see Borough play the ball along the floor, getting in the transitions. I thought Tav yesterday was absolutely superb um, and I th- he, was def- he was definitely up there in terms of man of the matches, but we'll come to our man of matches very shortly. But let's let's chat about Blackburn, guys. Um, and Dana, Middlesbrough switched to three at the back yesterday. Uh, once again, Dale Fry 
uh, Hall and McNair all play in the back line. Uh, but why do you think Neil Warnock decided to switch formations yesterday? Probably because we didn't have Uche Piazu in the team and we know what Uche offers us now. He's a striker that will back into centre-halves, that will commit them and pin them and try to use his, his sheer strength to, to outmuscle them and we didn't have that. Matt Crooks is a player that, what Johnny Hansen said after the game, prefers the ball to feet and the fact that we didn't have a an out-and-out striker probably meant that Borough had to change tact, they had to change system as well and... Um, they had to really adapt their game and, and as I said and like you mentioned as well we played some good stuff because of it and I hope that even when Uche comes back that we play like that again because <laughs> you know it was it was good to see us not really I mean we still had a lot of long balls I think 65 which was more than the year and uh, more than in the game against QPR but they didn't really seem hopeful it was more that they were there for a, a reason really to get it out wide um, but yeah the, the 3-5-2 really worked and it I think you've got a question about it, but I thought Paddy McNair was... It really confirmed to me that Paddy McNair is best in a back three. Absolutely, it does. Um, but in, we got a question from, from Rob Fletcher, and he did ask about this, but around the tactical switch um, and it, it being our best formation. Um, but, Tom, how do you think the tactical switch worked yesterday for Borough? I thought it worked really well. Uh, one, one of the things I noticed that uh, going forward, we we had a lot more opportunity to kind of really stretch their defence. If you looked at some of the attack and build up that we have, it was passed across the midfield quite a quite a fair bit, and it go to the other side, usually Ursa, Dykesdale or, or Jones, and they had a lot of room because of the amount of players we had forward um, for their midfield and defence to try and cope with. Um, I think un- unfortunately we didn't have kind of too much of a presence in the box to to win any crosses. Um, but what what I noticed we were trying to do was kind of pull it back a little bit more and not mm. cross as much yesterday. Uh, Dykesdale and Jones, I thought, were both doing that quite well. Um, and I'll come on to it a little bit uh, later on, but we've got a player now who seems to also like that uh, that style of play, so if we carry on like that going forward, it'll, it'll suit him. Absolutely. Well, Neil Wallach did mention his name in the in the in the post match press conference, and he has signed today. Onel Hernandez on a one year loan deal, and um, we'll come to that in a second. Dana, but that tactical switch, who do you think it really benefited the most? Because, like Tom was saying, there we were playing a lot wider. We're seeing Borough a lot more expansive as, as a team as well. But who do you think it really benefited? Well, as I mentioned, Paddy McNair. I thought when Paddy McNair plays in midfield, he is. Pretty much anonymous, I would say. He he has virtually no influence on the game, but when he is played in a back three, that's where you see him really step up and stand out. And I think he really benefited from that yesterday. And as I mentioned, that confirmed, if there was any doubt in my mind anywhere, that that's his best position. And it also helped Johnny Housen as well. He was getting forward. He was sort of changing or interchanging that uh, responsibility with Sam Morsey that... Um, when Johnny Howison would go forward, Sam Morsey would hang back and vice versa. So probably them two players, I'd say. Um, it didn't really benefit uh, Watmore, but then again, I thought Watmore was quite rusty anyway, so you know, we'll let him off for that, but definitely Paddy. We'll let, yeah, we'll let you off, Duncan. All right, just 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 this one week, all right? <laughs> just this one week. Um, but yeah, I know, Danny, you, you spoke about Johnny Howison. I want to I want to chat about his performance because last week, we, we we spoke about Howison having that led bit of last season syndrome, and I feel like 
it's not slagging them off. It's kind of like a case of like just saying what you see, really. Yeah, it's it's like having like a, a family dog who you love so much, and then like you know it's coming towards its end, and you're thinking, nah, it's not, it's not. But like he still shows glimpses of real quality. Um, but Tom, yesterday it it showed that Johnny Housen can still be around this this team and still play a really big part in Borough's season this year. Um, but does it show that he has a lot more to give now, like given that? given the performance yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I, I said last week that um, I still think he had a role to play this season uh, as, as part of that centre midfield. I know we've got options there um, to, to come in and, um, you know, start games where he might be on the bench. And, I mean, fair play to him yesterday. We we spoke about him a lot last week. I think I was pretty hard on him uh, after the, um, the QPR game because I, I, I didn't think he did well in that game at all. And to be fair, I think from what Warnock said yesterday, if that was true, he'd actually agree with that because mm-hmm. apparently he said to Warnock that, you know, I, I agree that I should have been left out with Derby. But yesterday you could see the the turnaround and, and the, the amount of improvement week on week. Um, just from the positions he was getting into, he, he was able to, to read the game a little bit better than he was doing against QPR. Um, Dana mentioned it there with Sam Morsi dropping back it was allowing him to get forward quite a lot and you only have to look at the, the goal he scored I'm not necessarily talking about the the chip but just the, the desire to get forward and you could see the um, you know the, the sprint I mean it just still showed the, the physical attributes there uh, showing that he does still have stuff to offer this season Yeah I'll have a fish and Johnny Houston please because it was an absolute delightful <laughs> chip wasn't it um, but yeah Tommy Warnock did mention in his press conference that he he had to drop him from 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 that poor performance. But do you think it was needed so he could get back to that like a performing at a higher level in a sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I mean judging by by that and and the way he kind of sounded in uh, his own uh, post match uh, uh, interview, um, you can see he's the type of professional that would take that on board and think, right, you know what, I, I do need to do better next time. And you could see there was that extra bit of motivation there yesterday, I think. Yeah, I think it, it shows well that <clears throat> everyone on this side is droppable. Yeah, I think it has to be. I don't think you can have anyone in this team that has like his name on the sheet consistently. I mean, I think if you, when Tav's fit, I think he probably isn't an undroppable mm-hmm. player at the moment. But it's good to have competition for places. So if you do drop before, below those levels, you are put on the bench or dropped altogether. Um, but Dana... Why do you think Housen played well? Yeah, so so well yesterday. Was it just a mental thing? But what what did he do well? He just read the game better, I think. And I mean, the only stain on his performance was him losing the ball in the build up to Sam Gallagher's goal. But to be fair, it's not that big of a stain for me because he played so well that I almost forgot about that. And he had the desire, and you could tell that. He was really wanting to overcome that performance uh, against QPR because, as uh, Tom said, Neil Warnock mentioned it after the game, that Johnny Housen himself said that he deserved to be dropped. He came back against Derby off the bench and he did perform well. I thought he was good and bright when he came on. And that's all you really want from a player. If they do drop a stinker like Housen did, then what you want to do after that is to recover from it and mm. and he did and to be fair it was probably the best performance I've seen from Johnny House in, in a long time yeah I think I think anyone could argue that probably is one of the best performances we've seen 
in his Borough career, to be honest. Although it was, it was, I thought it was a very, very good polished display from him. And also, I quite like the, the two of Housen and, and Morsi as well. I think that gave the likes of Tav the freedom to roam forward and drive with the ball and get forward. And I thought it really benefited us. When I, when I seen the lineup initially, I thought, oh, is I Jones wing back? That, that screams like, oh, God, don't please don't do that. But it just seemed to work. I think Warner got his tactics right. I thought... We nullify Blackburn to some extent. I thought we were able to win the, the midfield battles with with Housen and, and, and Morsi in midfield, and it just seemed that we, we played good. I think the only reason we drew, I think yesterday, was just the lack of quality. I think. Mm, I agree. Um, do you do you think that the lack of finishing and Middlesbrough's inability to well create and finish chances is probably the reason why we are thirteenth so far? Yeah, definitely. I, I'd agree with that. Um, I did think Blackburn defended well yesterday. Um, like I said, with that five across the midfield, we we were stretching them quite a lot. Uh, but they did have quite a lot of players in them central areas to to cut out any crosses or you know block any shots. Um, yeah, I, I think it just kind of comes down to that. Really, um, we've created chances in other games as well, and not being able to put them away. So. I think obviously ahead of the the deadline on on Tuesday just highlights the need for another striker. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, I think the only the only black mark on Boris' performance really. I think I just wish we we tested their centre backs a little bit more. Like I know I'll say about Danny Ayala, but he, he is a, a ticking time bomb. Like he will he will give you an opportunity in games, and I just don't think we tested him enough yesterday. But then again, I thought we, we I thought we did enough probably to win the game, but. If, we just unfortunately didn't do that. I think in in terms of like a missed opportunity yesterday, and I've mentioned this in our group chat as well. Uh, their goalkeeper looked really shaky, in my opinion. Um, I think he was he was flapping at everything. He was punching stuff that he could have caught. Uh, he wasn't holding on to anything. I think there was possibly a missed opportunity there to pressure him a bit more. Um, I think it's a bit ironic because we're always kind of wanting to see more kind of passing football and and less long ball and stuff but for me it seems like long ball would have worked yesterday if we'd have like put crooks in front of the in front of the keeper to to cause that type of yeah. distraction and and panic him a little bit there was definitely a mistake in their keeper yesterday yeah absolutely i think even if like even if uche was playing yesterday and it was against Danny Ayala it would have been a really nice probably a, a nice matchup to be honest because Uche gets himself about a little bit more, but then also Daniel Ayala is like, he just tries to strangle anyone, so it'd been, it'd been <laughs> nice to see. Um, but yesterday, I think we, we did miss an opportunity, especially when they went down to 10 men. Um, but it was nice of Sam Morsey to to get a red card as well. I think it was good faith from him. You know, it's always hard to play against 10 men, so it was kind of, it was, it was going away. But Tom, the two red cards yesterday, do you think they were both justifiable? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the Morsey one... I had a really good uh, kind of eye line of um, from where I'm sat in kind of the northeast corner. It was kind of like right front facing to me, mm. and to me, it didn't look like there was much, if any, contact from from Morsi at all in him. I think it, the, their player only went down when they went shoulder to shoulder, and he got flawed. <laughs> um, I, d- I didn't think that was that was even worthy of a yellow card. To be honest, for me, the the ball was there to be won. Both players had a right to go for it. Their player got in there first, and he only really went down when he went shoulder to shoulder and when he saw where his pass was going. Um, But also, 
I think if if the roles were reversed for the other red card and, and Blackburn, I think we'd have been furious about that. Looking back on it this morning, I do think it was a very kind of clumsy thing to do, like because he didn't even look anywhere near the ball. He was um, yellow as well, wasn't he? Yeah, um, and to be fair, I, th- I thought his first yellow card looked more like more of a more, more, of, a more of a red in real time. <laughs> I, I was worried for for Jones because it just looked like he'd flew in out of nowhere and absolutely clattered him. And then Jones got up and walked off. And I was like, well, thank God for that, because <laughs> it, it looked nasty. Um, but, yeah, the I, I think if that had happened and, and we'd have seen it real-time happen to a Borough player and get sent off for it, we'd have been fuming about it. But having watched the highlights this morning, I can see why there'd, there'd be an argument for that second yellow. Well, let's chat about the officiating then, Dana, because Michael Salisbury yesterday has been promoted to the Premier League for, for the end of the season as well. So... How would you rate his performance yesterday? Because I know we look. I know we don't really chat about officials too much. Um, we leave that to Neil Warnock as well. So, um, but like, how how would you rate the officiating yesterday? Because he seemed to have a bit of a stinger, didn't he? Yeah, but it's it's just typical of a championship referee, really, isn't it? And I thought he just didn't have control of the game throughout. There was a lot of a lot made about Borough's midfield in the QPR game, not having control of the game. But in this match, it wasn't the midfield; it was the referee that just did not have any sort of grip on the game whatsoever. And I almost feel like he sent Sam Morsey off to, I don't know, like he almost got caught up in the storm of the game because there was definitely an edge to the game, specifically in the second half. There was a lot of um, pent up frustration, I think, from the first half. And he just got—it just felt like he got caught in it, the referee. And it was like he sent Sam Morsey off just to almost level things up and to make himself feel better. I don't know. It was—it was bizarre. I don't think that was a red, the Sam Morsey one. Their second yellow—I don't know. I mean, when you're on a yellow, you don't want to be putting your boot in like that. To be fair, yeah, but he gave him a decision make, really, didn't he? Yeah. I think. When when you look at the type of referees in this division, it, it, it's it's a very difficult task. I think even when you've got Neil Warnock on the sideline, I feel like it's a little bit intimidating to some extent. But in that first half, I thought he was very, he was very like looking for the minor details all the time, being a Did bit you, too like. There like was a moment where there was a bottle I mean? on the pitch from the yeah, corner, and he was so I mean. pedantic to go over there and move <clears> it. Like fair enough, we don't want a Darren Bent beach ball situation, but it just felt a little bit. Unnecessary almost. Well, the thing is, look, you, you are getting assessed. Like every every referee gets assessed in in every game of the, in, of the season. And for me, like you probably you wouldn't have been marked down on that. Like the the bottle was off the pitch. Like he didn't <laughs> he didn't even have to move it. Like it was pointless. What pointless? I feel like he kind of just. I think he got a little bit worried. I feel like he just kept like he was like he was losing the games. So he was trying to stop start it, trying to get more control. Mm. But by doing so. He lost control of the game by doing too much too soon. Uh, but Tom, how would you rate the actual officiating like across the championship? Because we've spoken about it numerous times now. But how would you how would you think we could potentially improve it? Um, VAR maybe. I mean, extra I, officials. I, I've spoken about VAR before on this podcast and said I was in favour of it. Um, I feel like I'm, I feel like I remember they have made some changes to it this season in the Premier League, and it does seem to. The games do seem to be flowing a little bit better so far, so I'd still be in favour of, of putting it in the in the championship because 
I look at the the referees in the championship now. Like it'll usually like come out about you know a day or two before we play a match, and people are like, "Oh God, it's him." Um, <laughs> there's about two decent referees in the championship, um, and I, I, could, I couldn't I couldn't name them. But um, it, it, I mean, just the the amount of times that that comes out and be like, "Oh, so and so's the referee today," just like, "Oh, for God's sake!" Like, it, it's just going to be an awful game. Um, Stroud. I, I do think they they need help in, in in some capacity in the championship because the the overall standards just poor. Yeah, well that's it. Like you're you're in the second class division, you're going to get second class referees. Like you're not going to get the best. Like at the end of the day, they're still trying to grow to become the Premier League referee. They're going to make mistakes. They probably need more help as well. Um, but if if Morsi doesn't get his red card overturned now, we could potentially see the Egyptian miss the next three games really and that could leave Borough very late on the ground in terms of numbers um, in terms of squad depth and Dan I want to come to this because we put I think we put a tweet out earlier this week didn't we around Borough having 23 squad players three of them are currently injured so that what 20 players less some of them are have less than five games um, for the Borough so what positions should we should we look at and improve and strengthen because it seems like we could be very very late on the ground yeah I th- there's a few positions that Borough will no doubt be looking to focus on. But there's a few that stick out for me that are more, I would want Borough to look at this rather than we need to look at this. There's yeah. the obvious left back, um, up front, out wide. But I'd like to see us sign a centre-half and specifically a left-sided centre-half because I just look at our squad and I just see wing-backs. I see a three-five-two. Or a variant of that, and if post Warnock we bring in a manager that plays a more progressive style, that wants to bring the ball out from the back, that isn't um, against being risky in possession, then I think we will need a, a left-footed centre half. I still think that even if we play three, uh, four, three, three, that we need one um, because, like you mentioned last week, it just changes the angles of the passes out from the back. Um, so that would be good in terms of comfort, I guess, um, and balance across the back line. I know, and hear me out here, because I know what people are going to think about this. Uh, Jared Branthwaite is apparently being made available uh, by Everton. Uh, Six foot five, comfortable bringing the ball out from the back. Um, Seems to be physical just because of his height. And he likes to boot people in the face, as we all know. And he has championship experience. Nailed on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, fair enough. His his lawn spell at Blackburn might not have... He might not have been spectacular. I think he was in the shadow of Taylor Howard-Bellis, who is at... Johnny. Anderlecht. Yep, he's at Anderlecht now. Who um, is, he's struggling as well. <laughs> is he? <laughs> yeah, he's struggling. <laughs> Oops. But yeah, he's a player with potential and a really high ceiling, so he could be somebody, I don't know whether Everton are wanting to get rid of him permanently or on loan, but he's someone that I would like Borough to look at. And then midfield as well, because I look at, and it's weird to say that because in pre-season we were looking at midfield as a position yeah. where we don't need any more options, but I'd do feel like that holding midfield position, if we could bring somebody in like a Ryan Ledson, for example, I mean, Ryan Ledson would be a fantastic sign, but I think he's probably one for a top six championship club. At Preston? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say he's one of Preston's best players, if not the best player uh, for them. He's the only player in here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's somebody like holding midfielder with playmaker abilities, someone with... Um, the ability to, to make progressive passes, key passes, to be essentially a, a creative influence from that deep midfield position, which I don't really feel as though we have as much as as we will need. Um, so they're two positions that I like Borough to strengthen. So do you think it's a case of quality over than quantity then? 
Oh, I don't know. It's a mix of both, really, because it's not sustainable what we've got at the moment. I think with Nathan Wood going to Hibs, then that would leave us with 22 senior players. So that's a team. And then another, that's like two teams, which is just isn't sustainable. So um, it's probably a mix of both, I think. Obviously, we don't want to sign players for the sake of it, just to fill options in the squad. But... Yeah, I would say a mix of a mix of both, definitely. Where's Sam Stubbs at? Eh? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he's not selling cod anymore because he's not at Fleetwood. Oh, is he not? I don't know where he is actually. Well, if anyone knows where Sam Stubbs is, please, uh, oh, please contact the Borough Breakdown. Um, but Tom, we'll, we'll come. I want to hear your thoughts on this as well because Dana mentioned a few positions there. Would you echo her thoughts there? Would you say that Borough probably need to look at a couple of positions, centre half, maybe obviously left back, midfield? What do you think? Well, le- left back is the the first one for me. Um, this is working off the assumption that Spira is going to be signing in the next couple of days, and we've already got a second choice striker lined up, or a, a, another option at striker lined up. Um, left back, I think this was kind of highlighted yesterday with Bowler not being able to play for for whatever reason. Obviously, he, he came off the bench, but there must have been a reason why he, he was dropped for it, and we went with that formation. Yeah. But one of the things I noticed Blackburn did in the second half, which another left-back could have been really useful for, was they made the change at half-time to bring on, I can't remember his name, McGloyer or something like that. (laughs) uh, I'll get you the name. (laughs) Right. So they they made the change at half-time to bring him on. And Isaiah Jones struggled a little bit against him second half just because it did look like he had the physical attributes to to go up against Jones and come out with the ball a few times, and that was effectively Blackburn's way of trying to nullify his second half. Joe Bennett was mentioned this week um, as like an, an option that we're, we're talking to. <clears throat> Obviously, yesterday, he'd have been nowhere near match fit, so this, this kind of, he wouldn't have been able to help instantly yesterday. But knowing the type of player that he is, if he'd have been able to get forward and overlap Jones there, um, then you know they were all too occupied with Jones to, you know, look at another option running down that wing. So that that's where I think we we could have possibly done better yesterday, and that's where I think um, you know the the lack of options there has, has kind of affected us yesterday. Um, I ideally want to see two more strikers, like I said, hopefully Sparrow being one of them, um, but I'd like to see. A third striker there as well, since we only really play with one striker per game. And yesterday we've had to put uh, Duncan Watmore at striker. Yeah. I prefer to see out wide as well. Um, and I definitely agree with Dana about the left-footed centre back. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see us bring one in before the deadline. Um, if not, I, th- I think we've got the options there to kind of make do. Um, you know, in, in Bamber and Peltier, who can both play centre back, but neither of them being left-footed. Um, you know, long term, I, th- I think we do need a, a left foot centre back yeah. there. That's it. Yeah. I think it, com- it comes with like the angles, doesn't it? And I think with with Bory, if for centre half, you need like one needs to be ball playing, one needs to be a kicker, and and yeah. obviously, I don't think we really fully have that. I don't think Grant Hall's like, a much of a kicker centre back. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, if if you heard of the cat dog centre half combination, is that what I mean, like the dog's the aggressive one? That, yeah, um, is the kicker the the eye aller, I guess, yeah. and then the cat's the one that sort of yeah. takes the ball over the back. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, so like for me, yeah, absolutely. I think that's why I really enjoyed Borough playing with a three yesterday. I think when you've got McNair and you've got Fry, both very, very good at like getting the ball out wide. You know what I mean? It was it was really nice yesterday to see McNair, you know, create that little bit of pocket of space and then just switch the play to Jones. And I was just like, yeah. 
this is ex- Neil Warnock's been listening to podcasts and listening to us <laughs> speak because that is exactly what we wanted to see, and it, it really worked. Um, I think in terms of positional players, yeah, absolutely, probably another right back, maybe. I think we'd, we'd, we'd mm, not. I feel like goalkeeper and right back are the positions that we're, we've got options in. I think Spence, Dyke Steel, I know Daniel Fisher's out for for the season. Yeah, well, well, I want to come to it because Ched wasn't in the 18 yesterday. So mm, we might, very true. I don't know when we spoke to Craig, Craig Johnson because it was kind of like he's probably not going to go, but we, we actually might see it happen because if you think about it, Middlesbrough, in a business sense, might have to probably sell a first-teamer in, in, in the next couple of days to really balance the books. But in terms of positional, probably right-back cover, you can look at centre-back, left-back as well. You've also probably got, I would like to see a bit more quality, um, maybe up, up, up top as well. I think yesterday, Sean, that Corbin's not ready yet. Um, he needs game time. So I think for me, I think you need to probably bring, try and bring it two forwards. Um to really push positions um, and get competition for places. I mean, it would have be hilariously. Yesterday, probably might have sued a Tuberac Pom, but you know, <laughs> like, he's gone now. Any so um, since we were playing on the deck, it might have actually suited him. Um, but let's let's chat about Jed Spence because yesterday he wasn't in the eighteen at all. Nothing mentioned in terms of injuries. Um, there's obviously been murmurs of Premier League interest as well with Everton and Wolves, um, but. If it's him or someone else, do you actually expect a, a first teamer to probably leave in, in before Tuesday? It depends on who we bring in, really. Um, actually, with Ornel Hernandez, we do have twenty three senior players with Nathan Wood um, poised to leave, but I just don't feel like we're in a position to let a player go. To be honest, young players, yeah, the likes of maybe Sam Falarin, Jeremy Sivy, potentially. Yeah, Jack Robinson went out on Lord Yorval yesterday. He did, yeah, good move for him. I just, I can't really see it unless we bring in maybe two or potentially three options before the the, the deadline. I just can't see it happening. Can't look at Tom. I'm I'm looking at that deal and thinking Spencer's the only one I could see going. Uh, especially if there's Premier League interest. But what I'm thinking is those clubs, I think Southampton and Leicester were the ones mentioned, they'll be uh, paying for potential there. Um, Mm. And we can potentially get, you know, a a fair bit for him, which could fund other moves, um, hopefully with a sell-on fee included as well. Um, And I I think kind of long-term as a scouting setup, I feel like that's what we're going for with the likes of... You know the the signings of like Jones, Dykesdale, Baller, these young players who have been coached to to be better, and we can sell on for profit. I think Jed could potentially be one that we we do sell on for profit and then reinvest in the squad, similar to how uh, you know Brentford have done over the years. Mm. So if he does go, I'm expecting that to be just to bring in money to to fund further transfers, and we yeah. must have something lined up. On the deadline, and I feel like we probably will on the deadline because I feel like Neil Warnock's the new Harry Redknapp. I think he'll be getting interviewed on Sky Sports on his bike rather than on his car. Talk right. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> loves it on Talk, talk Sport, doesn't he? Absolutely yeah. loves it. But I think, yeah, I think I think Borough are going to have a few uh, deals lined up. To be honest, I, I, I can definitely see us being a little busy. Um, but also, it, it makes business sense for us to try and get some cash. We we need we need. Someone, someone, something has to give. Really, I can't see Borough making what I'm going to make a prediction probably about 13, 14 transfers, and then barely anyone like leave on a permanent. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Mm, it, it, someone's going to go, um, yeah. or one or two. Obviously, there's always been that moment about Morsey potentially leaving, but I think that's absolute tosh. I don't think he'll go. Um, 
Spence, of course, like is probably the only realistic one that can see Liam. And I, I don't see Tav or McNair or Fry going unless we get like a mad bid. Um, but we, I think we have a question about that later, later on, so we'll come on to that. But let's chat about incomings then. Um, on, on Sunday, Borough announced the 10th signing of the summer in Norwich winger Ornel Hernandez on a one-year loan deal to gain a, power, uh, a Norwich fan perspective. Here's a snippet from Jacob from the Canary Cast podcast explaining why Borough fans may enjoy the new signing. The thing with Onel, and, and you'll you'll quickly find this out, Barra fans, is he looks very, very promising because he doesn't know what he's doing with it. <laughs> no, the defenders don't can't contain it. When he's on it, no defense. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And the container that I've seen. You can listen to every single uh, Norwich player and say, oh, who's the strongest in the team? And they also own El Hernandez. So difficult to knock off the ball. Like I say, very direct on from that left wing. He can play right wing as well. Um, he played right wing back for us a couple of times when we were chasing games and had to go to five at the back and try and get real width and two forwards on the pitch. He did very well there at times. Again, very direct and just whipping it in on his right peg, which would be interesting to see where, where Warnock plays and be predominantly from the left. Does like to cut in. He can use his left. I wouldn't say that's a, a strong point of his. That he, he's, he's equally adaptable on both. He is right-footed, and you can clearly see that. His shooting is sporadic, I'll be honest. It, whilst he scored nine goals for us and scored against yourselves when uh, when we when we won and won promotion, there were times where you like, don't shoot, oh no, don't shoot. Or sometimes he does delay on the ball, but in he'll carry the ball up the pitch for you, and you will love him. He's such a lovable character. No one at Norwich dislikes him. He does come back and defend really well. Like I say, I remember... Uh, when we were playing Arsenal in the Premier League a couple of years ago, and he was brilliant. That was such a, a good defensive display from him. And he, he will work his socks off. He's not one of those wingers who will just kind of flounce around and only be active um, as soon as the ball's in the final third. He will work hard for your team and he he, he will die for that badge. That, and that's all you want want for your, for your players, really, to, to come in and really give that desire. 
So thanks for that, Jacob. Um, and you can watch that full YouTube clip uh, on the Canary Cast's uh, YouTube channel, and then also they have a podcast as well. So go on, go and search them at the Canary Cast too. Um, but guys, let's chat about Ornel Hernandez. Um, is Tommy you happy with the transfer? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he's going to um, going to offer something to the team that we we kind of need on on both sides at the moment. Um, I've done a, a bit of research into him. Yeah, well, um, what, what do you think you can bring to this side then? Well, you used uh, who scored for this um, and, and looked at all this data. So I think, first of all, his playing time has gradually been decreasing for Norwich uh, in the last couple of years. So he might take a, a couple of weeks to, to get up to speed initially. Because um, the last time he was playing consistently for Norwich was the 2018-2019 season when he was kind of a, a vital part of their uh, promotion push. Um, he brings pace to the team, um, mainly on the left-hand side, um, as that's where the majority of his minutes are. So not sure if if we're going to try and put him on that right-hand side instead, uh, with, with Jones playing so well on the left as it is. Um, but during that season, I'm taking that team because it's the the one with the most consistent minutes and you know we, we know from that what he can offer in a championship campaign. Eight goals and nine assists. We've got 2.2 shots per game, uh, 1.7 key passes per game, and 1.7 dribbles. And that's showing he's the type of player to run at the defences and create. Um, he's also fouled 1.5 times per game as well. So we can see that uh, he's going to draw fouls, which are going to play into our hands for Start set pieces. Oil in his arms up there now. <laughs> <laughs> um, interestingly, uh, interestingly, though, he's got 0.4 crosses per game, um, which on in comparison, uh, Isaiah Jones currently on 0.8. <clears throat> Sammy Amiobi is very similar as well, isn't it? In terms of that, yeah. 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 Um, so, who scored actually has it has crossing as a weakness for Onel Hernandez. Um, so, and and it, the stats are showing that he prefers to make shorter passes, cut inside. Um, so, I don't know if we're going to adapt a little bit more to to play that type of style, or whether we're going to need him to adapt and create crosses as as more of a part of his game. Um, but the, there's going to be some compromise needed there. Um, but as well, he, he's dispossessed or has bad control 2.1 and 2.2 times per game, respectively. Uh, so that kind of indicates that he holds onto the, the ball a little bit too long at times. Um, in comparison, Jones at the moment only dispossessed 0.6 times per game. Um, although with Jones, it is going to look better due to a, a smaller sample size. Obviously, that's five yeah. games versus the course of a season. Um, but we can kind of tell that from the stats for uh, Fernandez, uh, Hernandez at Norwich. So we'll get it, Bruno in. <laughs> I wish <laughs> we don't get well, don't get enough penalties as we saw yesterday. <laughs> no, so we <laughs> well, well, what do you think positionally, tactically, you can bring to Borland down? Well, as Jacob mentioned in the video uh, snippet, he's somebody that is adaptable. He can play wing back or has played wing back at times. So if we do play with uh, three five two or a variant of that, then he would be a, a good wide option. He predominantly plays on the left and cuts in with his right. And I think that just it really feeds into what we've mentioned a few times that we don't really have these out-and-out wingers. We have players that are just going to cut in and, and get shots off, essentially. And Tav's one of those where he works it from the right into the centre and then he will get shots off. Um, and I just feel like he, he has that flexibility to be able to play in different systems, which is what we need, because I don't feel like we'll have a set-and-forget system and formation this season. We will change and chop and change. Um and in terms of, of tactically, he's just someone that um, 
in, in terms of Warnock's style of play, obviously there is a big um, onus on the wingers and a big emphasis on getting it out to those wide players. Um, and he's someone that obviously is incredibly direct. So I, I do feel like he'll really suit the, the Neil Warnock style of play. So just just when you were saying that, do you think you might see like a, a very a small tweak in Borough's in Borough's system? Then I think when you were saying that time around, like crossing might be might be lacking for Hernandez. So do you might do you think you'll see like some sort of tweak in Borough's system? Maybe like play with inverted wingers, maybe. Yeah, potentially, um, and, and try and get more kind of short passes into the box. Maybe short passes into Uche to hold up and and kind of lay off to, to someone else. Crooks are getting on it, Tav, you know, I can see it. Yeah, it, it seems like a, a, a complete change of, of system of what we've been used to for the last couple of years, and it's a welcome change as well because it wasn't exactly working the last couple of years, was it? Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like we, we'll probably go with that. I think it'd be interesting to see um, him on the left and Tav on the right both being able to cut in and, and shoot on the on the dominant foot. Um, obviously, that, that's not saying I want Jones to be dropped because I, I, I think he's been probably one of our best players if not our best so far this season but mm. it'd be an, an interesting kind of hypothetical to see do you think it'd be a bad thing though if it was if jones was dropped is it is it a bad thing really for someone who's so young not necessarily because Maddo was saying it after the game yesterday that he's going to go through spells where he isn't as influential to the attack and we are going to have to look elsewhere so obviously as a young player, he will go through those ups and downs. There's no straight line with Isaiah Jones now. It's you know he will run into a, a, a tricky spell, and we can't really be solely reliant on one player. This isn't you know the Adama Traore season, so yeah, we need more options and to maybe take the the heat off um, Jones a little bit. Do you, know, well, do you think there's an over alliance now? Um, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't say it's approached that territory yet, but I certainly feel like we. I'm maybe getting there um, because, I mean, we've got Anthony Dykesteel on the other wing, which, I mean, Dykesteel... Yeah, he got an assist yesterday. He did, yeah. It was a good it was a good ball to fair. God knows where the Blackburn defence was. But Dykesteel at Charlton was quite a... It was a, a full-back that did get forward. But as we've mentioned, I, th- I do feel as though his future is more centrally, potentially, or even just sort of standard right-back. Um, but, yeah... <laughs> We're maybe going towards that direction, but I don't think we will get there because obviously we brought in um, Hernandez now and hopefully we can bring somebody else in. Mm. Um, Sparrow can play across the front line, I believe, so could potentially see him play out wide as well. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Tav there as well on the wings. Uh, would you think that he should stay wing or do you think it would be more, be more central now? Would, would you would like to see him more central? Um, I, I think he can play both, um, and I think it depends the type of system that we we try and play. Um, I mentioned wing because we we love to see him being the championship Ian Robin and cutting in on his left and and just pinging him far corner. But I, I do think that he can play number ten um, and and do well there as well. So I, I think he's probably equally effective at both. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Then I think before we come up to commentary and potential changes, well, let's chat about podcast questions. Um, and it's the po- questions that you ask us over Twitter, and we include them in the podcast as well. I'm going to kick things off, guys, with James. Um, and he says, "Did Watkins of Fry, Tav, Paddy getting sold next year go under the radar? And if that's the case, are we wasting their last year with one?" Dana, do you want to take that one? Sorry, I got distracted there. Um, but uh, what Paddy, Dale, and Tav? 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll go back to it. So did Warnock's comments of, of Fry, Tav, Paddy uh, getting sold next year, going to the radar. And if that's the case, are we wasting their last year with Warnock? So you were drinking your hot chocolate there, weren't you? That was, that was all it was. <laughs> no, so else. You'll see it in a minute. But um, no, I, I did read that. I, I did um, make a note of that, sorry, in Warnock's press conference. And I don't know, I read it more as a, you're not going this summer rather than you're going next summer sort of thing. Mm. And I, I don't know whether that makes any sense because there's a crossover between the two. But I think realistically, we have to we have to look at this um, in this way. We aren't exactly an attractive club for, for players. You know, we are a championship club. And I don't feel like that is going to change um, anytime soon. I'd love for it too, but there will be plenty of suitors for for Tav. Tav, um, in particular, is a Premier League player in the making. Um, Dale Fry has come on tremendously under Neil Warnock. He's really bulked up. I think he's 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 become a man. I think under Neil Warnock, whereas before he was, I don't know, he was almost just. He wasn't really there in the physical game, whereas now I think he is, and he can match these big, strong um, centre-forwards. And then Paddy, obviously, under Neil Warnock, has been fantastic, so there'll be plenty of suitors. And we can't keep these players for long-term. It's just not realistic. They will want, They will have their own individual ambitions that stretch beyond Middlesbrough Football Club. So, yeah, if we don't get promoted this season, I think we will be lucky to keep one of them. Yeah, I think it's high. I think I think Tab's the main one. I think. Yeah, I think with, with Tab, I think your Tab, he's after his performance yesterday and what he's been like this season. Yeah, he he's irreplaceable at the moment. But hey, you never know. You got Martin Pajero on the bench, and he he won't be ready in his twenty thirty. But um, look, Tom, we'll, we'll come to the next one. Um, and Dom said, while I rate Mossy, uh, do you think his temperament is becoming a liability? Um, what did you think it is? I wouldn't say so, um, just because I don't think it happens consistently. But what I will say about yesterday was he was told off by a ref about four times before he had to make that decision. He's like a naughty off. child, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can understand why Sam Morsi was reacting in the way he was after some of them tackles, because there was one of them, he clearly got the ball and the ref mm. blew it back for a foul. Was that the Broughton Diaz one where he slid in? I think so, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was like, that's a brilliant tackle. And then all of a sudden, the ref almost let it Play like let the play continue, and then all of a sudden decided it was a foul. It was just like right, okay. These Chileans play acting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that was the only thing about yesterday. I think he kicked off with the referee about four times, and then eventually, the, I think the ref was just looking for an excuse to send him off. Yeah, true. I can I know why he got distracted now. Then I, mm-hmm. I just I just seen the message uh, from. Well, you must mention him. Um, with Danny, Danny Vianmore, um sent us the next question. He said, I, I think after the international break, we have to kick on and the time for excuses for blaming things is irrelevant. It's up to Warnock to get the results. Do you think that's fair, Dana? Yeah, I think it is because this international break is now a window of opportunity for Borough to get the players on the training pitch. I think Sparaz on international duty, isn't he? So that's a shame, pardon me. Um, but it... It's a, a week or two where Borough can really try to bed the players into the system and uh, and really try different things as well because now we've got Hernandez. There's a lot of adaptability there in the system and the in the personnel as well. Um, I was going to say that um, players that are sidelined might be back, but obviously we've got three long-term absentees, so that we need a little bit more than two weeks. But yeah, for me the. 
the excuses really ran quite thin a, a long time ago because, as I mentioned, Neil Warnock is a manager that everyone always mentions it. It's got the record promotions out of this division. And, and I think we need to see that um, acumen, the managerial acumen from Neil Warnock, regardless of situation. Of course, it's not ideal um, that he hasn't got the options that he wants. And that's probably the, the excuse that um, I can maybe go with. Yeah. But everything else in terms of the refs, the clicks last season, the no strikers last season, those just, I don't buy those. <clears throat> got excuses, Don. Um, <laughs> I think I think with with this question, um, I know we, you have your pre-match, um, not your pre-match, your pre-season predictions. F- for me, I feel like I'm going to go into another question. It's from Nick. Um, he says, what have you made of the first five games based on pre-season expectations? But we'll come to that works early quite nicely. Um, I've, I've, I've kind of moved my position on it a little bit because although I said 8th to 10th I'm still kind of there if I had a gun up my head kind of thing but I'm probably not going to judge Bora now until December and March I think that is the key period in any season if you pick up some form around then that title that title that promotion that anywhere or you get relegated that is the key position of the season where you really need to start a kick on if if you know if we're struggling November we're still mid-table I think Warnock will still be around if we're still in and around it. If we're way off the pace, that's where I think we'll change it. But if if not, I think that November, December time, if we're in and thereabouts, that's when we have to really, really kick on and gel and just click. If we don't, then that's it uh, for, for me. Um, what what have you guys made of the, the first five games of the season and based on your pre-season expectations? Um, been a bit disappointed with them, uh, to be honest. I mean, I, I know I mentioned last week, kind of putting things in perspective, that it was the same record as we had under ITOR before we went up, uh, before that international break. And that international break was was probably the time where things did get turned around and worked on, and, and, and we really kind of kicked on after that. So I'd hope for a kind of similar um, a similar effect this, uh, this year. But particularly QPR and Derby last week I was I was really disappointed with um I didn't think the the Derby result was was a good result at all um and and QPR it was kind of like I'd had some up like that Brentford game last season uh, not last season the year before under Woodgate under where Woodgate. we had where we had 45 absolutely excellent minutes <laughs> yeah. and then came out with a different team in the second half yeah, yeah. um that that seemed what it was like against QPR um but then we've played all right against other teams. I did think, even though it was 1-1 yesterday, we played well against uh, Blackburn. Um, Warnock said it in his, his press conference, actually the best football we've played since he's been here, and I'd probably agree with that. So I think there's reasons to be optimistic. Um, I do prefer how we're playing this season to how we were last season. Yeah. Um, but also, we really do need to kick on if, if promotion or playoffs was the target this year. There's still time, of course. I know you're disappointed, um, but Dana, are you echoing Tom's thoughts there? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I thought that we would start the season well and then tail off, which we could still tail off, but the start of the season, I did expect us to pick up more points. I wasn't expecting anything against Fulham because it's Fulham. They are by far the best team in the league, so the fact that we got a point out of that is fantastic. But the game's... The games against QPR, Derby in particular, we should have got more from that. And then yesterday, it was a 
it was a good performance, but we just didn't have that extra bit of quality. And I don't know, I'm a little bit confused with Borough at the moment because we've played like, if we play like that, like yesterday, and just add that little bit more, I would, I would love that. But then there's games like Derby where I, I, I look at the team so far this season, I know it's a small sample size, but I still feel as though we are a bit Jekyll and Heidi from like last season. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know, I, I am with you in judging the team um, really towards that Christmas, New Year period where that's where we will see whether we do have the minerals to quote Jonathan Woodgate of, of going up or, you know, we'll see where we are there. But yeah, there's been positives and negatives, so I'm a little bit on the fence, I think, in regards to our season. That, that, that's absolutely fine. I think it, it's going to be on the fence for until that, that December, March period, really. I think that's where we should be. And I, I'm probably not going to comment on it a little bit more. I think that's... I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait and see if it clicks. Is there going to be extra quality there? I think game management-wise, there's things that can be ironed out, but the reason why Mills were in the championship and have been in the championship for so long is that we are very, very inconsistent across the board. Um, and to be honest, like that's the championship in a nutshell, isn't it? Like, you know, like well, I, I see a tweet. The other, I was speaking. I was on uh, on Twitter the other day, and we were. I was chatting about Chubrak Pom, and someone was saying, "Oh, I think you only scored twenty eight goals in eight years." And I was like, "Well, Borough have only been in the Premier League one in twelve, so like, you know, what I mean, that's like how shows in, shows real inconsistency across the board for us." Um, but. We'll move on um, to the final two questions. Um, Mike says three positives and three negatives so far. Um, one each, one positive each, one negative each. Do that way. Yeah. I'd say the style of play uh, as a positive. Um, I think the the first few games that we've seen them, Ikpiazu and, and Crooks, the, the same. I mean, it's such a, a refreshing change from, from what we had in like Brits, Akpom, Fletcher. Um, in, in that these two were going to absolutely work their hearts out and, and, and battle up front. Um, what what I think ties in with is that, you know, when we sat Hall last year, Warnock was on about uh, these players who like be a seven or eight every match. I feel like that's what we've got with them. Even if they're not spectacular at times, they're at least putting the effort into to be a seven or eight every match, um, which I don't think we've had at the top of the pitch uh, for a while. Mm. Um Negatives. I, I don't know. Can, can go to Dana for a positive while. Yeah, yeah. Go on, Dana. Be positive. Um, I would probably say positives being Ikpiers. Do I've been really happy with him. He's just the type of player that that we need. And even though I was a, a massive defender of Brit, and I hate to compare the two because I just feel it's unnecessary. Scored yesterday for his new he team. He did. Yeah, Balotelli's uh, strike partner as well, which is just crazy. But. I think it really shows what Britt didn't have. Um, you know, Britt did back into the centre halves, but he just didn't have the physicality really to execute it. And I think Uche's been, he's been fantastic. He seems like a really likeable guy as well, that he's obviously, he went to Scotland. It didn't work out for him. I think he got released by Watford. Um, so he's really had to work his way back up. Um, and he looks really good. Um, love his goal celebrations afterwards. He seems to love the West Stand. Yeah, loves it, doesn't he? At the Riverside, he really does. But um, he's been a massive positive for me. Just some, just a focal point up front, someone that will cause problems for defenders. And I think he's a real handful. Yeah, um, I'm going to go Matt Crooks. I think. Yeah, he was be- my other positive. As yeah, well. probably best sign up the lot. Been absolutely brilliant, um, and probably to have coming back as well. It just shows how much. We rely on him, um, but 
any negatives, guys? You got any negatives at all? Yeah, I thought of mine, though. Uh, <laughs> the the defensive uh, troubles of the first few games. Um, I didn't see that so much yesterday when we went back to, to free. Um, but it's like I said against QPR, like the goals were like someone's controller had run out of battery on FIFA and the defenders <laughs> just weren't asked. Like they just walked through <laughs> us and they didn't really do anything about it. So I hope yesterday was the the start of it being kind of back to a more solid defence because it seemed the opposite issue to what we had last season against QPR and that we were scoring goals, but we also couldn't keep it out of our own net. Yeah, fair enough. Defensive issues, Dana? has to be squad depth. Um, it's it's really worrying that we have... I mean, we played Tio Cialisani up front yesterday, which I think he can play that, but we are a couple of injuries or a couple of COVID-positive tests away from having a really incredibly threadbare squad, um, more so than now. So that's probably the, the negative, um, but hopefully that will be rectified with the next couple of days of the transfer window. Yep, squad depth and defence issues. I'm gonna say some of Warlock's comments, I think, just it just grinded on me. Grinds on me at times, but I mean yeah, get over it. Um <laughs> well we'll I'll chat about uh Olasanya then, Dana. Uh from Jake. He said, What's your initial thoughts on Olasanya? No he had a short run out, uh, but interested to see if he's potentially like to be in and around the first team or likely to be in under 23s. Uh, Olasanya has now got one more minute than Martin Pajero um, <laughs> after a few games. Uh, just a little fun, a little fun fact of the day. Oh, that um, was a wonderful tweet from Michael and the Van La Parra threshold. Oh, yeah, Van La Parra threshold, yeah. <laughs> Great little thing, that. I love that. But uh, Olasanya, any initial thoughts, guys? Or way too early to tell. It is probably way too early to tell, but there was still positives that I think that we could have taken from that um, performance. I mean, he looks rapid. He also looks like he's got that strength in him as well. Um, and I think he did cause a few problems for the centre-halves in, in, again, backing into the centre-halves, um, which is something that that I think was was welcomed, obviously, without Uche Piezu. And the overriding positive from that performance was when he absolutely slam-dunked Lewis Travis on the floor. That was absolutely brilliant. He, Lewis Travis, one of my captains from uh, one of my Boris saves, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lewis. <laughs> He's a good player, Travis, to be fair, but he was asking for that. Mm, okay, well, slam dunking is a big positive then. Uh, <laughs> Alessandra. T- Tom will have tick. a better wrestling word for that. Chalk slam. Um, chalk slam. Yeah, and pretty much was rock bottomed him, didn't rock he? Bottom, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I, I mean, my, my positive was that he did look rapid. Um, I think there were a couple of times yesterday where he seemed a little bit uncomfortable on the on the ball. Like the first touch wasn't all the way there. He didn't look kind of too sharp, but you can't really judge it after coming off the bench. I think you said it last week or all the week before that you know if you come off the bench, you you need time to to catch up with the game. Really, um, I, I think he did look rapid even when Lewis Travis had him by the collar and was trying to drag him across the floor. So um, I, I'd like to see how fast he can go when someone doesn't have hold of him. I think he needs to get the baby oil in his arms as well. Yeah, get the baby oil out. Yeah, I think it, I think it's too early for Alessandra. Um There's nothing really there for me that stood out. Nothing really that was negative, to be honest. It was just kind of a... He just come up from six divisions in the, in the championship. He's going to be rusty. He's going to be, look off the pace a little bit to some extent because the game's a lot faster um, and people are technically better. Yeah, I think it's too early. I think he's going to obviously be in around the, in around the first team, but <coughs> other than that, I think there's there's probably nothing else to say. To be honest, judge him at Christmas. There you go, <laughs> judge him at Christmas. Um, I, I might get a T-shirt out of that. Judge him at Christmas. 
Um, but let, let's 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 move on and let, let's let's chat about Coventry then, because after the international break, Borough head to Mark Robbins's Coventry City um, at the Recore Arena. Uh, guys, I'll I'll pass the the mic over to you guys. Let's, let's break Coventry down this week. Well, I've got a bit of form to start off with. Um, so they lost two 0 yesterday against QPR. Um, but before that, they seem to be doing all right. Uh, they had a two-one win against Reading, one-nil uh, win away at Blackpool. Um, lost one-nil to Barnsley before then, but then one-two-one first of the season at Nottingham Forest uh, against Nottingham Forest at home as well. Um, so they seem to be on a, a decent bit of form. They've, I mean, they've lost against one of the stronger teams in uh, in QPR there, but other, other than that, they seem to be uh, pretty much doing well and. Don't know, maybe solidifying themselves around kind of that mid-table area this season. Yeah, I will already hold my hands up and say that I was wrong about Coventry in my pre-season predictions. I did have them um, as one of the relegated teams, but look at Huddersfield. Fourth. Yeah, <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? This division is crazy, but no, I I, th- I don't feel like Coventry will have second season syndrome. I think they've got a. A really good team. Callum O'Hare, of course, is just a fantastic Majestic player. To watch yeah, it one of the most glides. exciting players in the championship. And actually, they are one of the top teams for possession one in the final third. And I think it's because of Callum O'Hare. Um, his pressing from the front is fantastic. It's one of his uh, biggest traits, of course, with, with dribbling and carrying the ball. I think he ranks pretty highly in terms of uh, chances created per 90. Um I think it might actually be the top. I might have to ch- uh, check that out. But they, they've got some good players as well. I really like Darbo, the wing back, Gustavo Hammer as well. Um, and they've recruited quite smartly, I think. They've brought in um, players that I think are, are well well adept and um, suited to championship football, like Simon Miller, the goalkeeper, um, Martin Waghorn up front, who'll get you eight, nine, ten goals a season. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm... I'm Home hands and say I was wrong about Coventry. Um, brilliant for them that they're back at the Rico as well. That's a massive plus for their fans being back at the at their stadium. Um, and I suppose it's 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 not really so much stats, a statistical look at, at Coventry this week. I think we'll put out a, a thread of a few tweets of um, stats about Cov probably uh, earlier, um, closer to the game. But yeah, I think my personal thoughts on Coventry: good team, really like them. I think they're a progressive club. Um, and I do hope they they stay up. They will be a a, a big test for Borough. Yeah, they were, they were my team to watch last year, um, and I thought they would do it. But I thought when when they brought the new signings in this year, I thought they might potentially struggle a little bit. But credit to Mark uh, Mark Robbins and his and his staff. I think they've done a fantastic job uh, at Coventry. Um, and I think if Neil Warnock leaves uh, this season or at the end of the season, or we don't renew his contract, I am a hundred percent back in Mark Robbins to get the Borough job if if he was available. I think I think with Borough's a change in approach, bringing young players in. He has shown time and time again that he can do it with with a good with a good side and with a shoestring budget as well. Um, but Dana, is there any more to add at all? Yeah, I've just found the Callum O'Hare start of uh, chances created per ninety. He's actually top um, in that uh, respect for two point eight chances created per ninety. So an incredibly fantastic talent of just creating chances, being a threat. Um, I don't know whether you saw the the game against Forest where he nutmeg Jack Cole back in the build up for their goal, one of their goals. He's just a fantastic player and definitely one to watch. Absolutely. Well, let's chat about predictions then, guys. How are we feel about Borough's away trip to the Rico Arena? Well, based on that form that I've just read out there, they've not actually lost at home this season, other other than a two one loss in the EFL Cup against Northampton, which doesn't really count. I mean, yeah, we don't yeah. care about that. <laughs> don't care about the cup. It was a cup that we won back in the day, but yeah, yeah, yeah we don't care about that. <laughs> 
Yeah, we don't need it, will it, though? Alright, <laughs> well, no, sights on the FA Cup Too big. now. Um, <laughs> but I think that that being said, and you know, they they do seem to be uh, a, a decent kind of strong team at home. Um, QPR and Barnes, they've both beat them. If we want to be pushing this season, we need to be at least equal in or better in those results. Um, so I'm going to go one nil Borough. One nil the Borough. Um, Dana. I'm just thinking Carmel here will really cause us problems, so I'm actually going to go with a 2-1 defeat. 2-1 defeat. Um, I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm going to go 1-1 draw. I think I can definitely see Coventry scoring, but also I think, you know, the Borough going to make additions. I think it will be interesting to see what the squad and how we line up, um, but I think I'll go one all. I think. Um, but guys, thank you very much for joining me as always, and that's it. Uh, Borough heading into the first international break of the season with 13 points from, uh, sorry, 13th place in from with six <laughs> points. We we'll be points. top of the league, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. um, but it's still early doors, and there's plenty of work to do. But judges at Christmas. This has been the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was all your chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out.